we are going to go to the book of Genesis. And we're going to read the second chapter and read several verses here. You see in the Bible, starting in verse 21, down to verse 25. Once you have found that, first book of the Bible, that's easy. Right? Let's stand together. We're going to read chapter 2 of Genesis, starting in verse 1. And the Lord caused a deep sea to fall upon Adam and his breast. And he, God, took one of Adam's ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, he tenfold woman because he was taken out of woman. Therefore, shall man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not. Because this is free sin. Before uh, they took of the tree that was forbidden, and uh, their eyes were then opened, and you can see that over in the next chapter, in verse 7, the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. That was the first thing that they understood was shame. And so, before the fall, this time of innocence, God laid some foundations for what the home is. God created the home, not man. As God has created this, this is free law, this is free New Testament grace. So we would see this, if you will, a law before the law. This is something that is created for every generation, for every people of all times, not to be changed or transformed. As before I pray, most of you already know that this message that I'm going to be sharing today is the most unpolitically correct message that you will hear. We believe the Word of God is our authority, not culture, not a nation, no man, no woman. God is the authority over us. So if we reveal truth, it is only to reveal what God's plan is for man, the following. It is not to accuse, it is not to bash or to hate anybody. This is not what this is about. This is about revealing truth to you and I as a people. Truth, God tells us, sets us free. You follow me? Truth is good. It literally liberates us. Lord, help us to learn good things from you, your word. And as we apply this to ourselves as Christians, I pray that we will do it with grace, that we will do it with love, that we will do it with mercy. Thank you for what you'll do in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Those who are visiting with us, or maybe you've not been uh, here for a while, this year we have been walking through biblical worldview, meaning how do we as Christians understand and live in the world that we are in? Interesting, as he says that Jesus Christ came to save us from the presence evil world, Galatians chapter number one. In other places, talks about how you and I are, if you will, separated from that. We think different. We're still here, though. 
was so alive and well until we were not in heaven yet. So while we're here, we have to think, how do we live in the world around us that is constantly changing? Constantly changing. And here we are as Christians uh, that literally hold on to truth that never changes. I was listening yesterday to a, uh, a pastor I met in several cases, a very large church, and uh, this was the last one of the last years that he was being the pastor of that church, and he enjoyed um, his message, uh, and it was more of them. But one of the things that he said was that that church had started in 1942, I think it was, or He started in 1951 here at North And he said, well, even some of our methods changed through the years, what we did here, we don't do it anymore. He said, even though we have changed pastors, we've changed leaders, we've changed music directors, we've changed things, changed all over the place, he gave her the core that has never changed since the 40s. And it's the word of God. Because truth always stays the truth. Truth can't be wrong. It is. It's actual. In today's culture, young people, I want you to understand that you're going to find that there are no absolutes. That what might be absolute for you might not be absolute for me. And we have an ability, they are telling us, to judge according to how you feel that could change even tomorrow. So there's nothing that stays the same. It's always new and it's always now. That's why we went to the book of Ecclesiastes. It helps us to realize that the Christians, there's nothing new under the sun. We got that memo, right? You said all the new technology. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the nature of nature. We're talking about us. We still have issues with work. We still have issues with pride. We still have issues with greed. We still have this, that. You know, all of these issues and Ecclesiastes that we talked about, and that's why the conclusion is for every generation, for everybody, fear God, keep the commandments. This is our duty. We concluded with that. We think sometimes what we are experiencing as a nation, I'm going to start pulling it together for us, that we're experiencing something brand new. Matter of fact, what I'm surprised with is that how many times we as Christians are in an awe of how uncivil, unbiblical, untruthful the lost world is. Why are we surprised? Why do we think the world is supposed to see it our way? They're lost. I get a dog. I get a dog. Never done me out. You know why? They're dogs. This is their nature. This is who they You come to the door, you knock on the front door, Harley is going to bust that door down because, A, he doesn't know why. This is what dogs do. And you say, is he ferocious? No, he might lift you to death. You know, that will be it. He's not a bite. He's never been anybody. He didn't want everybody. He just wants to smell you and see where you've been. Do you have a dog? He's going to know everything about you in about 30 seconds, and then about a minute and a half later, he'll go over and lay down the corner and say, okay, I'm going to It's a dog, okay? We understand that those before Christ is in them do not have the Holy Spirit. They don't have the Word of God inside of them. They have no source of the resurrection power. 
They have no ability except for their emotions. I told this was a big one for me in the 70s, was what is culturally acceptable. Because back then, certain things were not culturally acceptable, so therefore they didn't talk about it. And now, it is an ego. It's interesting that in Israel's history, in the book of Judges, they came to that place where they concluded every man can do that which is, in, is right in his own eyes. You do whatever you think is right. I'm going to do what I think is right. You think is right, and I don't. It's okay. We're all good. Because there's no absolute. So we can have multiple gods, or we can have one god. We believe in Jehovah. Okay, that's cool. Do you have any others? Morality. Immorality. It doesn't matter. Back then, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have TVs to watch it. They did it live. Publicly. There was no thing. You walk down the street. Matter of fact, I was you know, listening to you um, in the passage talking about Ephesus. Uh, he had been there, been there. And he was talking about some of the relics that were still left, the things that were still standing to the gods that the Ephesians uh, held on to. He said, it was almost like a picture of America. It was a rich community that was in uh, south uh, uh, western part of Turkey. Incredible amount of wealth that was there. And what went along with that wealth was sexual immorality. The two went together. Are you seeing America? Are you, are you following it? You can't even, you can't even sell soap or toothpaste without being sexual. Everyone has to be sexual. That's what sells. They, they sell. And so it's like all of this is what is leading to, okay, it doesn't matter where you are and what you do because there are no morals. So, as we have learned in 2017 and the beginning of 2018 is what we will call the beginning and the end. Okay? Beginning and the end. Meaning, when we see the book of Genesis, we realize as believers that God is our creator. We didn't create ourselves and we weren't blown up and finally evolved into what we are today with two ears, two eyes, and one nose. Uh, this is a complete design by a designer, God, who created us. And so therefore, as he formed us and made us, because of his fall, we begin to look back at what God did in creation. Seriously, from the foundation of the world. God's always been about, I know you're going to fall, and then going to fix your problem. It's always back to God knowing it all. God is a know-it-all. I was talking to an 11-year-old this week. I said, honestly, I said, you know it all. He goes, yeah. And he was serious. He knows everything. I mean, he's like, okay, I'm going to listen to you because you're not telling me anything I don't know. I know it all. No, you're not. We're not know it all. God is the only one that knows all things. So this is God. This is in his character. He created us. So then we go to the end. That's what we talked about last year with our hope. Whenever we were talking about it briefly tonight in Titus. Well, our whole hope is one day we're going to be going to heaven. Aren't you glad we're not going to stand here and all the miseries that in between, you know, God created us, and then through creation, He created a new life inside of us. The moment we trust in Christ the Savior, God compares that to creation. Darkness was there, and then He said, let there be light. That's a picture of salvation, folks. 
You were in darkness. I was in darkness up to 19 years old, and I invited Jesus into my heart, and light came inside me. And light is light. So, you turn light inside. So, now we're, we're on through this light. This is what we're going And then we know our end. We, we get to die and go to heaven. Of course, we're that. You know, like the best part, we can just do the best special around that and go right into heaven. But it doesn't work that way. Or, or, rapture could happen. And we're all snapped away and taken up into heaven. And some don't believe or keep that anymore either. I don't know what to do with all the Bible words. When Christ was our life, he'll appear. We will also appear with him in glory. We're going up. Okay? So all the church will be pulled together with a bride of Christ. He loves us so much. We get to go to heaven. And the first thing we're going to do, because he's our creator, and we're supposed to be serving him in the middle here, the life will be standing before him. We're going to give him an account of all the works and the things that we've done here on this earth. So, Christian, let's get busy for Jesus. Not for yourself. Get busy for Jesus, because that's what's an account when we get into heaven. He's not going to say, okay, everybody with X amount of dollars in your savings account, you, you step forward. And nothing to do with money or, or poverty. Has nothing to do with anything. Male, female, you know, it doesn't matter if you were a boss or you weren't a boss. Has nothing to do with any of those things. What we do here is equal, used by God as equal. Not one person is above you. Oh, you're a pastor. Of course, you're going to get a special blessing. Uh-huh. I mean, there is a pastor style, so I'm seeing as a, you know, I understand that. I hope I get some sounds. But, I understand the calling that you know, get, but I'm, I'm before God as a Christian, the same as you. Same as you. So, we're going to stand before Him someday. He's going to give us a bound for Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, Romans 14, all these texts talk about we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to give an account of our works, not our sins. We're going to give an account of our work that we have done for Him, then we're going to get crowns and then we go into the rest of eternity. Now, the world, the lost world, goes back to the beginning. And they say, go back. The Creator. We just evolved. And so, basically, we're just lost. That one day we die and we go into the ground and, you know, we fertilize the grass. Then they will come over and eat the grass. And then we become part of the whole cycle of life again. And so, therefore, we never really die. We come back and we're in part of all of that. And eventually, that animal dies and goes, and then something else comes over. And we continue to cycle over into the water. And then it comes to the second cycle. But there's not a lick of truth in it. Because you're not an animal. I don't care what the other people say. You are not an animal. Some kids ask it. I get that. I understand that. Sometimes the husband. No. Anyway, so we get crazy times. But, but we're not made in the image of an animal. We're made in the image of God. Nothing is created like you and I. But they say, we're just a glorified animal. We just evolved into what we are. So since they're off with where we started, they're also going to be off on how we end. So now they're thinking, when I die, I go six forever, and that's it. There's no remembers, there's no ideas, there's no anything we can go in and hopefully karma takes place or, you know, I get reincarnated as a cow. 
There's a, there's a goal for you. Uh, don't step on the eat because it might be your eight. Yeah. So we're not coming back reincarnated or something. If you were bad, you're going to come back. It's nothing. You know. So it doesn't work that way. Okay, so, but their, their philosophy is there's absolutely no God, so there's nobody that we're accountable for. So here in the middle, we get to do whatever we want. Because I don't care. I don't have any accountability. There's no injury to a God who is creator, so there's a philosophy of the world. That's why when you talk to them about a judgment, you're like, there's no judgment. You can say that all you want. The problem we see the scriptures come alive with creation, and we see, I'm going to show you a few concepts today from Romans, how there is an important thing about how we yield to God's truth, leading us then in this life. It's interesting how Philippians Paul said it, for me to live is Christ, but when I die, it is what? The long world is saying, my death is done. There's no being that wants you to go into annihilation. Since there is a God, and if He has created us, and since He tells us there is accountability, you can't wish it away as though it's never going to happen. We have to stop and realize God has filled us with creation through laws written inside of our hearts. There is a knowledge of something greater than we are, knowing that there's an accountability. That's what Romans says. They are without excuse. And the only thing that text is saying is, one of my many points in Romans, one of many, is did you see all that in creation? you see all that? you see how you put count the stars? That's a picture of me. picture of God being eternal. No beginning, no end. He is all powerful. You see the sun, you see what comes. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. All light comes from God. And we say, He is creating the world. He is really powerful, incredible, mighty, and powerful. So therefore, since He is God, He created, He is the counter. And the world says, Nope, it all just hurts a little bit. This guy is saying to us, and here we are. And it's like, your faith is raising my eyes about it. But we, as I said, not for the mountains that I told you before. But, but he said, come on, Paul, you can't prove he's God. And I said, listen, you're an artist, right? Oh, and I'm a great artist. And uh, I said, listen, um, could you just throw any on a piece of paper and it's beautifully designed to pick it? You have a paper. I think. Why can't you just evolve into a beautiful book? You can't look at all of this earth and say, just it out and there it is. There's a designer, a designer, folks. Be real. So, the indicator is what we're going to talk about this week and next week. Maybe no more to But we're going to talk about who we are in this world. How do we view the world that is that we are around? We know that we begin, we know that we end, but they don't. So how do we look at the lost world? And if we want to set what I'm to talk about, it's the hope. If there's one thing that seems to be confusing, 
it is the values, the morality, how we put action to, and how we establish truth about the head. We're going to next week. Uh, we're going to talk on um, another important subject with the time. I'm going to do a piece of the current issue you try to grab with the group. So today we're going to talk about the home and the second here we are in between. God, according to this text, created the home. And, and in this beautiful picture of the home, I want to show you a Christian perspective of what makes a home. And so, in this text, when God brought Adam and Eve together, and so cool to see how Adam reacted, and he understood it, and basically, the different one or the only thing of what we should be called, wolf man. What do you call wolf man? And so, so it's interesting, it can be translated in a lot of different ways, but either way, the latter part of it literally means man. The same thing means the Hebrew word. And as you know, I don't use human Hebrew words because we don't have the same thing. We don't have that thing yet. But, um, Ben Jones is trying to say this is how you say Enoch. Because it's one of the hardest words. I can't even close to tell you how you say Enoch. Yeah, you can say Enoch. I can't do that. So, anyway, so, so, it's man. And the, the front end of it, there's one guy who says, I think it means woe because of what catastrophe you did. Well, he didn't call you that. had nothing to do with that. And literally, it could be translated, he made it. He was safe. And don't be, you know, I hope I won't make that clear anything. But literally, it means room man. So a man says, don't go. Because we all have mind, arms, eyes, etc. in the center, but we're different because of man, woman. And this is what God sees. And by the way, if that were true, wouldn't there be something in between there now? Wouldn't it just have a difference? It's always been this generous creation, a man, and then there's a seed, a woman. And so these two are then what God has created. On this earth, and he brought the man and the woman together, and he brought, and we're learning a few quick concepts here. Since we know that the, the, the concept that God gave them is be fruitful and multiply, so he wants the man and woman to have children, to have more children, to have more children, that multiplication is necessary. That is not a difference. It's multiplication that these things. That these, it would have been the time right here for Adam to give a second life. Hey, let's get hurrying. Get this multiplication taking place. God has made one man and seven women. He made one man and one woman. And that was it. This is God's original first mentioned concept. This is what God is laying out for a foundation. So, you say, well, in the pictures, lots of men have multiple wives. Yeah. How's that turn out? And you say, I know that's a lot of money in all to do with it. And I agree with that. 
what is worse than just that. You look at every one of those situations, it was nothing but envy and fighting and chaos. That wasn't God's plan. God's plan was one man and one woman. So, then there's no reason multiple wives or not multiple husbands. You've got to be crazy Okay? So, not away is that the place. So, God tells us that they were brought together for a specific purpose, and that is to have children multiply. By the way, on a spiritual sense, God teaches us that we're not to add, we're to be in the multitude of this attribute, because God defines us, and nothing to do with money. What it talks about is, as God, as Lord, led me to the Lord, and I have led people to the Lord. Who have led people to the Lord? It wasn't He added me, and He added another person, and He added another person. Uh huh. He has grandchildren. He has great grandchildren. Because He led me to the Lord, and we brought more into the family of God, who brought more into the family of God, who brought more into the family of God. That's why it's multiplication. So, two becomes three. That's what God wants us to do spiritually. As I share the word with you, it is then your responsibility to give it to somebody else who will give it to somebody else. And then it begins to become four, become eight, become fifteen. It begins to multiply. And that's why we have a community that needs to repress. Our purpose here in the church is to reach one person in Christ who can be mentored to go out and reach somebody else with the gospel of Christ who called the fellowship. So back to the home. They were brought together. And, and in this, um, God also describes in the text that there had to be a separation. So the separation is that they would leave their own parents and then be coming together as one class. Uh, and we have a hand, and sometimes there are, are connections and authorities that parents feel that they have over their relative children. No, no. You have no authority over them. You do. Now, they're on the roof. Yeah, you can't do it. All the actions are going on. You have a hand. I'm helping a lot of you parents right now. Yeah. The 50 year old, you know, you know, hey, so we, we, eventually they got to go. But I realize the handicaps and the simple reasons, and I'm not in any way making fun of that. Those kids need to be under your roof, et cetera. But you've got a deadbeat son. That's a big job. Grow up, get your own clothes. I'm not paying the electric bill anymore. Okay, so they get married, and those two become one, and it says you're cut off from the parents, and you two become one. So the authority your parents were, you now have. You're an authority. You are an identity of your own self, and, and you are now one. And so there's your authority. Leave, parents, clean unto your, your spouse. Leave, and then see. There's also a length of commitment. Uh, it is for life until death do us part. So God has to give the length of what a marriage is supposed to be, and basically it is until you die. 
recent years, I've talked to some husbands and wives and children that are related to have experienced this. And uh, and it is because uh, when you're married, you guys have been some years, whatever, and I think I'm in and I remember being on I said, so, how many years ago? I was like, I don't know. So, you know, it's like, you know, I'm going to put up in the air. And so, we had this longevity. And so, I say, oh, you pastor, how do you play? Why is it so easy for you to start smooth and standing and everything you can do? Oh, we've had a thousand, ten thousand times of these things. Based on the excuse of the people. Oh, and I there's no, I'm going to get through this. The richer, the poorer, in sickness, in health. So that's what we're So, we're talking when you get married, you're searching for the international, and you tell young people, get the divorce word out of your vocab. Don't even say it. Don't even threaten with it. The D word is hurt word. Bad word. Don't even mean that you're a good Give you counsel, and you're going to get some good. God created awesome one man, one woman, and they are physically, and there's complications, complications, but they're usually, for the most part, they have children, they have children, and, and this is a problem. And then you die, and then the children drink it, they take over, and they die, and then the grandkids get together. So what man does, though, is take everything that God created, which is good, and he takes it. He makes it dirty. He makes it ugly. Because he feels, through time, that we can do a better job than God can. So that which is good becomes impure. And becomes literally dirty. It's sad that it seems like the devil and man is able to take everything that God has is beautiful and they make it ugly and dirty. You know, um, Intimacy between a husband and wife is supposed to be the marriage is honorable above all, and the bed is undefiled. What happens behind closed doors is not a dirty thing. It's God ordained if it's good thing. Three, Father, chapter five, man, we're supposed to absolutely always in love and soul with the wife of our youth. And you supposed to be the most beautiful thing on this earth. Your wife, love your neighbor. Your wife. And so God treats and what the devil does, and then gets in there and does, and makes everything dirty. It's like I'm talking from this person to one. Does, like all the time in Bible, if you read it, and so if there is it's a reality, and God says this is the beauty of it. So give you the detail, verse twenty-one seven, and so so he goes through the detail of what intimacy is supposed to be all about between the husband and the wife. He's like, yeah, you learn this, but the devil and man always makes it dirty, and now you have uh, 
beautiful Balthani marriage with all the garbage that's going on. It always creates order, as it order. And the other thing is, it always brings up the question mark of diseases. It brings up um, multiple partners. The list goes on. And it always becomes chaos. And your first spouse, the one that loves you, and then maybe infidelity takes place, and that's hurt. Church and 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 the chaos and energy space and space space and space always turns because this is the stuff that God has in the world. Don't worry about the hurt. Don't worry about the hurt. When you do it God's way, it's good. It works. Seems like everything that God creates may have to mess things up. Remember, things you have to say to you were the ones with the wrong father. Seems like, again, you know, God makes things good, and then men have to hear it up, and uh, they go into their own way of doing things, and then everything is just messed up. And, uh, and they're hurting, and they're disordered, and God says, let me tell you why. Romans chapter number one gives us some descriptions about who he is and who we are as we run through the world. Now, the subject matter that I'm talking about today is the fall. In our culture, in some states, etc., there has now been a change in laws that now allow a man to marry a maid or a woman to marry a woman and that they then become a criminal, and that they have all the same rights, etc., that a man and a woman does, uh, and so they are now allowing that to place. So we call that same-sex marriage. So a man and a man, a woman with a woman. I think that is going to be a young man and it's going to be today. And before you walk out on me, or step off if you're listening online, uh, I want you to please, I implore you to listen to God's truth, not what is politically correct and not what is culturally correct. We got a lot of great hairs in this place, and, and I need to help you and I understand how do we live in this world that is clean, that no one else lost. They don't have Jesus. They are lost to themselves. They're not submitting to the same laws that you do. And nowhere does God say that you get any of those messages that are going on with you and know. God never told us this thing. Not one time. Matter of fact, I can give you, if you have time, a dozen verses that say this the opposite. Very poor them. They're lost. They look so long. Nowhere does God allow. Remember, 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 Jesus God. I can't remember where they were at. They were Jesus. Jesus, we don't want you. And they go to Jesus. Let's take care of it. Let's call fire down from God and just kill them. Remember that one? God is in the Bible. 
And so you just don't to reduce that. And it's like, you don't know until what spirit you're saying that. In other words, this is not from me. This is not from God. Or a lot of you did it. That's a whole different setting, folks. This is not a bunch of Gentiles or even Jewish uh, believers. That was dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, or dealing with fire coming down, you know, how the wives are taking care of the cloth and the tail. Okay. A little different scenario. That's old. Now we're trying to turn into something new, trying to teach them. It's like, that's not me. I have come to save, not to destroy. So, all the Christians, I want you to listen to you. We're not supposed to wish they all die. We don't want them all to go, I heard a guy say, put them on an island and blow it up. Or I'll see you drop the fruit. So what's wrong with us? Who do we think we are? Well, I don't do that to you. You think? So you think I'm not going to do it. So you don't need to do it. I don't want to hear that. In verses 1 through 18, God, or excuse me, 17, God brings up salvation. The church will live by faith, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, God is the power of God, all that you're you're familiar with. Then in verses 18 and following, he deals with then his wrath. That is God, it's not like God hates him, that's not what wrath means at all. What that means there is that when a judge would determine what is morally right and a person that doesn't deal with morally right, they then have to go to jail. That's what he's going to Okay, you are guilty of murder, so therefore you, sir, have to go to jail. And that, that would be the same way of saying this is the judge's wrath on that person. They did wrong to the consequences to doing wrong. So the wrath of God, the consequences for man that is not in obedience to God, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, of militants, who hold the truth in, in, in unrighteousness. So dealing with the lost world who knows the truth and won't hold onto it as truth. When we talk to many who do feel that same-sex marriage is biblical and that God honors it, then they say that. Because God is love. So therefore God loves us and made us who we are, which is, well, sin makes us go to the Lord. So, so that's all. And so as, as we're looking at the subject, they, for the most part, will know what the Bible says and know the truth behind it. They know what Christians are supposed to hold on to. Not everybody who goes to church has to hold on to it. It's really different. And so they, they look at us and they think, I know what the Bible says, and they read it. But they're not retaining or holding on to that truth. So they know it, but won't hold on to it. Matter of fact, we're going to do the same concept in a moment. Because so those who know God is known that the message, God has showed it unto them, verse 19. Excuse me, that's verse 19, just one. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. In other words, the power of God is immortal, invisible, or uh, the power of God. Somebody made all this, being unsure of things that make even the eternal power of God is, so that they 
the lost world to know the truth and refuse the truth over those two. For one reason, only one, is to catch a lost person in the world of nowhere will die without Jesus and die without Jesus will not go to heaven they go up. Why? Because this is one reason of many that he came to God in Romans in chapter 1, 2, and 3. So they are without Jesus. They can say, God, you're a bad God. The progress is in verse 21 because that when they knew God, the world was turned upside down by the apostles. But one generation somewhere knew the truth and they took the one and they received the gospel. They glorified him not as God, neither that were sinful. And became vain. Here's the progress. They became vain in their imagination. And their foolish heart was darkened. Perfecting themselves to be wise, they became full. That's how the American culture overlaps. Look at those smart. Look at all the technology. There's no morals. There's no right and wrong. It seems the glory of the effect of God in their spirit is a corruptible man. The birds, 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 God also gave them up to unclean. They think the lust of their own hearts, honoring their own bodies, between themselves, and turning the truth of God into a lie. And you know what the truth God is saying? They knew the truth. And they said, Look, I will do it my way. And they began to worship and say the truth more than the truth of the blessed God, blessed ever and ever. God even even the vile of perfection. And even the women to change the natural use and to die into a just nature. So now we have creation and we have nature itself to say that a woman is not supposed to marry a woman. A man is not supposed to marry a man. This is a good place because they can reproduce. They can come together in any way like a man and a woman. It goes against nature. Then goes on and says, Love is also men, even when they meet the woman, burned in their love, one to another, so the love comes to them in the nature. So now they're thinking, I find a man attractive. Or a woman says, I find a woman attractive. And God says, It's because of wrong lust, because they forgot God is the creator. They know that, but they go away from that truth, and then this is the progression that leads. That's why we are here as a nation. We lost the fear of God. We lost the thought of biblical correction. And so therefore, we get to judge with right or wrong. And when a man in his sinful state judges right and wrong, there will be every man in the world that will be done with your way to your own Do whatever you want. And this is where they will go to everywhere. Every time. No verse 27. Many of men working down to the unseen or immoral and including in themselves that recompense of their error, which is mean. In other words, it's going to be a harvest of, of it's going to be a sinful nature and it's going to be diseases. It's not natural. It's going to be brutality. Uh, one man who is a doctor, he did it, but he sat and interviewed uh, men. Who are with men, and they all said that they have a minimum of like 30 and upwards to 100 partners a year. Okay? So this is not natural. 
they would, what they live for, follow if they came to God and they take the truth and keep on the way. And this is what I'm going to do. And this what they live for. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, it's not because they didn't know. Refusing to the God and His righteousness and God's design for the home to decide that God gives them over to that rest of His mind, that He would think they are not moral, not convenient, not the best right. Um, now, let me say this. Um, I was preaching in Harrisburg that I'm so glad I parted from you. This is Harrisburg, and Harrisburg at that time period was known as the politicians, everybody who had islands that they would go to, it was like all publicly known. And so he was one of those who was And um, he said to me, you do understand that if a person commits the crime of fraudery, that is a man is a man and a woman was a man, a woman, that they are condemned to hell, they can never get saved. And I said, how can you read the Bible? You realize in this text, God never says that the lost man can be saved. Don't interpret it that way, because that's how we were always taught. You go to Corinthians, and he goes to talk about the men who became offended, men with men and everything, and get to be saved. In the church of Corinth, the church at Corinth, he says, and such were still in Now you're Corinth. And God can save anybody. So I'm getting a little preaching with this preaching. But you might need to hear this. Because there's some people that hate them. They deserve to go to hell because of the reprobate actions. And they can't get saved. Well, the Bible just corrected you, buddy. They move on. So all these bad things and possible, they're you know, unbending and all the horrible things and foul doses and create evil things, all that good thing. And it's not the truth. Therefore, thou art inscrutable, O man. Yeah, those wicked things. Oh, no, no. Hold on. Whosoever thou art that judgest, and wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou, that thou should thou judgest, doest the same things. Note the plurality of that. He's not just dealing with sodomy and man is minimal. He's talking about, are you proud? Are you a boaster? Are you an inventor of evil things? Children, are you disobedient to parents? All of that. And we want to say, that is the sin. Not according to the Bible, but it is a But not the only sin. So now, he's getting off and saying, ah, okay, you know, you're just going to say, oh, those wicked, horrible people can't believe they do wrong things. And then you say, well, did you do anything wrong? Well, yeah. Well, humble? No. Well, you accept authority? No. They call a lie? Well, it's my life. And we can start to and we get off. 
Now we're getting into us. How do we view the lost world? We're judging them, and we don't realize the same judgment that they have, we will also be judged. Who do we think we are that we think, oh, God, you said, look at that, you said, all the good, and what's that under the world? You said this way. Judge not that you be not judged, but with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. So therefore, if you condemn them, God says, okay, then it's right for me to condemn you, right? Oh, no, I get grace and mercy and love. They don't deserve it. Wrong answer, Christian. Absolutely wrong attitude. It is not a Christ-like spirit. I told you I was not going to be politically correct. But I'm not talking about the world's philosophy. I'm talking about how we see ourselves as Christians. We are not politically correct either. And I was thinking, I'll even get a word, really. And then I was like, so, look at verse 4. And think of all this, oh, my man, that tells us that we do such things, and do us to say that that guy is good to go to God. You know, you're going to get away with it? So here's the topic. Oh, that, I, that person that murdered somebody, man, they need to go to the electric chair, they need to be, I push the button, you know, they need to be, they need to be dead. Okay. That's not for you. That's simple. First of all, that's how it exists. If any Christian, a person who is fighting Christ, hates his brother, he has murdered him already in his heart. So that means you, as a murderer, if you hate a brother or sister. And matter in that text, says, how does the love of God abide inside of you if you hate those who were made in the similitude of God? Oh, they're going to die, but I'm good. I'm good. God made me got this thing going on. Mm-hmm. You're missing it. Because we're going to stand before God one day. Now it's promised. And it's good to I have to preach to me. And I'm preaching to you. This is the call of the verse before. For the Father now the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing, knowing that God, that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. This is the Christian's attitude towards the lost. Our attitude is not to be, God condemn them, I hate them, so therefore you hate them. I think that the Bible says, God so loved the world. Except for those who do the same. But we think that way. I've heard Christians say that. And I don't know where their theology came from. Except for hate. They're not good enough. And you are? So your righteousness earns your salvation, and you're sure, and you're good, and you deserve to get saved, and you deserve heaven all of a sudden? Ooh, 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 ooh. You can check some things out in your life, my friend. So God says, here's how we're supposed to look at the lost world that the kids are disobedient to the parents, they're proud, they're boasters, they're doing all this stuff, and sodomy could be part of that whole thing that he just talked about in the text. People that are into idolatry, people that are worshiping their animals. 
America. We work with the creation rather than the creator. We're more, we're more pardon me, you're getting mad at me. I'm not going to be politically correct today, but you're more worried about your dog going to heaven than your neighbor. I'm not looking at anybody. Okay? I love my animals, but I really don't want to see them in that world. You know what I mean? Anyway, so some of you say, ah, oh, they're going to be there. You're more worried about your dog getting to heaven than you are your neighbor. God says, love your neighbor, not your dog. You were to govern over them, right? We are not going to be called to be correct today. I'm getting myself really in trouble today. I get lost in the hell. Anyway, so we see this lost person, and we see the debauchery, you know, they have tattoos and demonic tattoos and earrings all over and nose rings and tongues and everything else. We've seen when you're barbaric than those in Haiti who whip and do do, you know, they're just. Running around with nothing on, you know, and a problem of the body, who I am, except me, if you don't like me, I don't care, attitude. And you look at that person and say, I could never ever witness to them. Why? Well, they can be good. Look at the way they look. I'd be embarrassed if it was done in church. Oh, so now we're all good. We're better than them because we don't have tattoos. Oh, by the way. So, God, I got this old book first, all over and everything. No one in the 80s, by the way. You know, back in the day, the old time, you know, I love mom and you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, or entertainment, you know, so. So, so we're working coming down and what they look like, and we think we look good enough in God's sight. Because all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. We're ugly. We're not holy. There's nothing good about you. You say, don't you tell me. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to be For all of sin is assured the glory of God is set for. And then you put your name there. And then again, that's what this is all about. The world is found guilty before God. Everybody's the same. Jesus says, oh, it doesn't matter. We all need Jesus. We're all dirty. And God sees that person just as dirty as the little grandma that went to church thinking she goes to church and she's going to heaven and she realizes I'm not safe and she gets saved. She was as dirty as the gospel person was. They both needed cleaned up. And they get saved the same way. They use the same Holy Spirit. They get the same uh, wonderful mansion in heaven. They get heaven. They get everything. And you are so necessary. Look how good I am. You must have forgotten God. Because as you, you said, have you forgotten who God is? Have you forgotten that God is wrong as my friend? You don't want to do anything. All of you come to repentance. Have you forgotten that it's the goodness of God, Jesus Christ, who came and died on the cross for the sin of the world, that they could be having a new birth? It's the goodness of God that leads them to Himself, leads them to repentance. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'm going to give you something that you need water. I'm going to be your shepherd. I'm going to be your priest. I'm going to be your lover. I'm going to be your husband. I'm going to be your all in all. You need me and I love you. And he looks at that sinner, that homeless person, whoever they are, that he will say, refuse them. And God says, I welcome them. And the self righteous that refuse to reach them are no greater than the priest 
the Pharisees, if you will, those who went around the young man that was beaten up and left at the side of the road to die by the religious leaders and would never go to that person and go on the other side of the street and it was a super marriage that loved that person and said, they're worthy of healing. They're worthy of my love. He said, but no, we're religious. That's unclean. We can't touch them. How are they going to hear folks without us going over? Go on the other side. He said, those Christians are going to hate me because they see me hanging out with people drinking beer. Well, they need Jesus too. Finally. I don't care. Because I am with people. I'm looking at them with people that are doing drugs. And I'm sharing the gospel, and they remember it. They called me back up, and later on they got saved. If we don't get our hands dirty with the lost, we're never going to reach them with the gospel of Christ, and their blood is going to be on our hands. See, the political correctness that we have in scriptures is as sadly as unbiblical as can be. And I'm telling you, this is the stuff that I was taught when I was just saying on through the 80s. And it's garbage. God loves the world. And a sodomite can get saved the same as a man who exists as a successful business. They both need Jesus. And God is calling for them. He created them. Stuff is wrong with them. Why should I know after some bring them to Jesus and bring the salvation? God, I think I made a point. I pray that we are right now as a church going to work with him. I pray that pride has been humbled because of your word. So now there we go of anything that I've ever seen or done. Where would I be, Lord, if it wasn't you loving me? Because I'm a sinner to save the rich. And God, you know the heart of everyone. And there are some here not saved. I hope they have understood how much you love them and how you want to transform their life from the chaos to order. Draw them to yourself. There's only one thing. This message has been a little bit more teaching and teaching as the Christian say, Lord. I pray that we will put away our traditions and that we will have a proper, proper biblical world view. That we will see the lost. Yes, but they're going against the word. They're going against what you have mandated as a home. But God, I believe when you say them, you change them. The Lord, may we have a heart for the lost. May we realize when you said that you came not into the world to condemn the world, but you came into this world that the world might be saved. Lord, I believe you are in the saving business. So God, save Use us as a church to see people see you. You give a wonderful opportunity to watch them then grow. Use the time for your glory.